Chapter Six of the Women Who Make Our Novels. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Women Who Make Our Novels by Grant Overton. Chapter Six. Kathleen Norris. Mrs. Norris explains William Dean Howells, puts the problem or the fact or the trait before you by quick, vivid touches of portraiture or action. If she lacks the final touch of Frank Norris's power, she has the compensating gift of a more controlled and consecrated observation. She has the secret of a closely adding detail to detail in a triumph of what another California author has called detailism, but what seems to be nature's way of achieving largism. Of course, this is the method of Kathleen Norris, the method of her madness, to use the word madness in its old sense of being possessed by something. What is Mrs. Norris possessed by? Why, the irresistible impulse to put things before you and make you consider whether they should be so. Hmm, a preacher might do that. Well, had most preachers the presentative skill of Kathleen Norris, they would be ticket speculators on the sidewalks in front of their tabernacles. If you want to make people think writes a novel, but be sure you know how, Mrs. Norris does. Why is easily answered. She was not a newspaper reporter for nothing. Newspaper training does inculcate a taste exact for faultless fact that amounts to a disease quite as the lilting lines in the Mikado have it. The fiction of Kathleen Norris is distinguished by several unusual qualities, all due in the present writer's opinion to newspaper training operating upon a gifted and observant mind. As in a good piece of reporting, a single important idea or fact or problem is at the bottom of each of her novels. Each story is first of all a story. The crisp, penetrative account of certain persons and events. Mrs. Norris never appears to have taken her fact or idea or problem and said, I will build a tale about this. She seems always to be describing actual people and actual occurrences. This seeming may be deceptive. It may be that she goes about it the other way, proceeding from her idea to her people and incidents. If she does, the trail is covered perfectly, for the reader gets the sensation first of persons and doings, and then, later, of problems arising from their relations to each other, which is the precise and invariable effect life itself always gives us. We do not think of the problem of divorce first, and of our neighbors, John Doe and Karen Doe afterwards. We see Cora Doe going past the house and recall when John Doe was last in town, and then, not until then, do we think of the tragedy of their lives, and the dreadful question mark coiled in the center of it. In other words, life assimilates all its great facts and problems, and the novelists, who would set them forth effectively, must first have assimilated them too, so that they will not have to be brought in the story he is telling, but will be in it from the beginning, disclosing themselves as the action develops. 
the reader must feel that he has discovered the fact or the problem for himself that he all by himself has abstracted it out of the scene put before him he must see corrado go by and hear of john doe's last appearance and look upon the wreck of their lives but all the rest must be left to him to grasp unaided the real reason why no story can have a moral is that every reader must find his own moral even if each finds the same one mrs norris understands this and practices it she does not ask you to consider whether a girl bred in sordid surroundings and having access in youth only to tawdry ideals can lift herself to gentleness and dignity and become at any cost the captain of her soul no she makes you acquainted with julia page she refrains from questioning the efficacy of divorce and writes the heart of rachel which makes every reader ask himself the question if her readers unite in an identical answer and that answer is the one mrs norris herself would return does that convict her of stepping outside the novelist's province bless you no the novelist's province is as large as life is and its boundaries in the case of any given writer as far as he can carry and maintain them mrs norris's frontiers are wide the woman first an interesting article in the book news monthly several years ago posited that Catherine norris upsets all our accepted ideas of how a novelist is made with the exception of five months spent in taking a literary course at the university of california mrs norris never had any schooling and until five years ago nineteen o eight she never had been outside her native state no thrilling adventures no prairie life or mountaineering no experiences of travel or residence in paris or berlin have been hers the impression of wonder which this may create will be somewhat modified by the sketch of her life which follows and for which we are chiefly indebted to the same article mrs norris was the daughter of james a thompson of san francisco the father was a san franciscan of long residence and twice served as a president of the famous bohemian club at the time of his death he was manager of the donahue kelly bank kathleen was the second child in a family of six three boys and three girls mr thompson would not send his children to school and they were taught at home with occasional governess for language of study in eighteen ninety nine the family moved to mill valley across san francisco bay and three haven a bungalow in the beautiful valley at the foot of mount tamalpais became the home a quieter life can hardly be imagined there weren't many neighbors the child did not go to school and most of the visitors were grown people there were no children's parties Catherine norris never saw the inside of a theatre until she was sixteen which will astonish readers of the story of julia page there was however a large library there was plenty of magazines there were miles of forest as a playground there were horses cows dogs cats and a garden mountains were there to be climbed and creeks to be waded the boys as well as the girls of the family all became practical cooks Kathleen was the oldest girl at nineteen she was to come out in san francisco 
a house had been taken in the city for the winter guns had been ordered and the cotillions joined when mrs thompson was stricken with pneumonia and died her husband died broken-hearted in less than a month afterwards misfortunes culminating just after the father's death left the six children destitute with the exception of the family home in mill valley too large and too far from the city to be negotiable asset the children had never known what it was to want money they behaved bravely the oldest boy already had a small job kathleen got work at once with a hardware house at thirty dollars a month her fifteen-year-old sister took three pupils whose fees barely paid for her commutation ticket and car fares the total of the little family's income was about eighty dollars a month their one terror never realized was of debt kathleen and her sister came home from the day's work to get the dinner make beds wash dishes and scrub the kitchen floor at midnight kathleen who had been a favorite story-teller all her life began to wonder if she could not make money by writing her tales as a child had generally been illustrated with little pen drawings of girls with pigtails girls in checkered aprons girls in fancy dress and occasionally with more tragic pictures such as widows and bereaved mothers mourning beside their departed there is a scrapbook in the family in which are pasted more than a thousand of these sketches now she was not thinking of illustrating stories her own or others but of making needed money in the fall of nineteen o three she had attempted to take a year's course in the english department of the university of california and had had to give up because the family needed her in nineteen o four at the age of twenty-three she made her first successful effort the san francisco argonaut paid her fifteen point fifty dollars for a story called the colonel and the lady mrs norris was then librarian in the mechanics library and had more time to try writing such success as she had was not very encouraging she left the library to go into settlement work and for several months strove to reanimate an already defunct settlement house she got her feet on the right path at last by becoming society editor of the san francisco evening bulletin a few months later she became a reporter for the san francisco call where she worked for two years mrs norris doesn't know whether the newspaper experience helped or hindered her in her literary work there need to be no uncertainty we should think when as we are told in the next breath during these years she saw many phases of life that must have enlarged her vision and made her more catholic in her views she learned to write with speed during the visit of the atlantic fleet to pacific waters in nineteen o eight there was one day in which the eight thousand words were mrs norris's contribution to the paper this was explained why she is one of the most prolific of american novelists long before jocelyn's wife could be brought out in the fall of nineteen eighteen sisters had begun to publish serially in april nineteen o nine kathleen thompson was married to charles gilman norris a younger brother of frank norris the author of mactigue and the Beat. charles norris now captain charles norris u s a is himself a novelist the author of 
the amateur and salt the education of griffith adams captain and mrs norris whose home is at port washington long island new york have a son named after his distinguished uncle frank norris marriage a home in new york city and the first leisure since her father's death a literary atmosphere her husband was in magazine editorial work and the happiness of being in the city she had for years longed to know these are the circumstances which reawakened mrs norris ambition to write she essayed again without encouragement from editors except the editor at the breakfast table her newspaper training now seemed to handicap her her fiction lacked the simplicity and the appeal that have since endeared it to so many readers for months she got nothing but rejections finally this note popped out of the mail dear mrs norris the readers report that delightful as the story is it is not quite in our tone the feeling of the atlantic is that when a tale as intimately true to life as this is of yours the tone is surely toned for the atlantic to adopt it gives us much pleasure to accept so admirable a story very truly yours the editor the story that was not quite in our tone but that so impressed ellery sedgwick editor of the atlantic monthly was what happened to elena on its publication s s mcclure wrote to mrs norris asking for her next work she replied giving him the date on which what happened to elena had been submitted to mcclure's magazine and the date on which it had been returned to her her next six stories appeared in mcclure's after that it seemed to the casual observer as if they were everywhere in one month mrs norris was on five tables of contents and then the delineator offered a prize for a story of not more than three thousand words mrs norris began one and when she saw that it would run to ten thousand words she laid it aside and wrote another so the delineator lost and the american magazine gained mother on the story's appearance five publishers asked mrs norris to enlarge it sufficiently to make a book enlarging short stories into novels is a ticklish business successes are few mrs norris added twenty thousand words to her short story how well she did it is evidenced by the dozens of editions through which the book has run and more remarkably by the fact that edward bock editor of the ladies home journal paid a high price for the privilege of running the novel as a serial after its publication as a book this is apparently a unique instance mother was followed by the rich mrs Burgon, the story of a great-hearted woman who brought her fresh and honest ideals into the heart of a narrow western city those who read it may excusably gasp to hear it was written in six weeks on an order from the woman's home companion poor dear margaret kirby collected short stories was the third book appearing in the spring of nineteen thirteen the treasure had had serial publication in the saturday evening post saturday's child preceded it and then mrs norris made her first great success with the full-length novel which many will consider the biggest book she has done it was the story of julia page the first of three novels which have been called mrs norris's trilogy of american womanhood
the stories are the heart of Rachel and Marty the Unconquered. Between these last two appeared her short novel, Undertow, dealing with two young married spendthrifts. Jocelyn's wife, the story of a woman's faith, tells of a sweet, simple girl, Ellen Latimer, transported by a whirlwind marriage to Gibbs Jocelyn, from the humdrum existence of a small country town to the luxurious of a wealthy social life of New York. There is a time when the young second wife of Gibbs Jocelyn's father threatens to break up the happiness of the younger Jocelyn and Ellen, for Gibbs succumbs readily to her undeniable fascination. Then comes the crash. Through the long agony of a murder trial, it is the wife he has neglected who alone upholds him. It is her faith that wins and brings him at last to an understanding of his egotistical folly. Mrs. Norris is not yet at the height and fullness of her powers as well as can be judged contemporaneously. It is easy enough to look back on the completed work of a writer's lifetime and say, here he reaches apex, here he began the decline, here he rose again for an hour. But to estimate the present and relate it tentatively to the future is very much harder. Mother was one peak in the graph of Mrs. Norris's progress. The story of Julia Page was another and higher. Josephine's wife is at least as high. There is every prospect that in the active and happy years we may hope are ahead of her, Catherine Norris will excel the impressive novels she has already given us. Books by Catherine Norris Mother, 1911 The Rich Mrs. Burgon, 1912 Poor Dear Margaret Kirby, 1913 Saturday's Child, 1914 the Treasure, 1915. The Story of Julia Page, 1915. The Heart of Rachel, 1916. Undertow, 1917. Marty the Unconquered, 1917. Jocelyn's Wife, 1918. These novels by Mrs. Norris are published by Doubleday, Page and Company, New York. End of chapter 6